immense suffering, scorning the shame that accompanied it, uh, fulfilled all the plans of heaven that, uh, that really bring us, a distant people, into uh, nearness and indeed uh, even into family fellowship with you. You have, uh, you have made, made it so that Jesus was crucified to set us free, and free we are indeed. God, we bless you. We, we welcome you by your spirit to, to come in and change our thinking this morning, to affect our, our hearts, and, uh, and to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Okay. Checking the clock here. Uh, it's good to be good to be with uh, Community of Faith this morning. My family and I were traveling last week to Georgia and uh, and missed out on the opportunity to be here. So I uh, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> this morning is Mother's Day, as you know, and on Mother's Day we celebrate family. Fair enough, right? Family. Okay, I'm, let me draw let me draw a connection. So moms get special attention today. Uh, but there's no such thing as a mom without a family, right? Uh, of course, the family may not be intact. Uh, there may be bereavement, loss of, uh, of a family member, maybe uh, kids. We, as John, I think, read that thing very, um, very well. And that, that um, list, I think, encompasses much of what we, what we often forget on Mother's Day. And so I'm, I'm really glad we had that as a part of our, our service today. But uh, still, um, by definition, mothers are part of a family, right? Give me, give me a head nod. We're warming up here. Yeah, right. Okay, in the same way, amen. We got, a, got an early amen. Okay. All right. Fathers are part of families. Children are part of families. Uh, this is all, this is all uh, I think we can make a pretty good case that when we celebrate Mother's Day today, we are celebrating family and honoring this ancient, God-given institution. So today, keep that in mind as we kind of uh, move to maybe an unexpected direction. We're going to talk specifically about our adoption into God's family. Okay? You can give me an okay. Uh, June, June, June has an amen up here. You can at least give me an okay. 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 So in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was sometimes described as God's family, or particularly God's son. Right? Um, the language of family really wasn't present in a, in a broad sense until the New Testament. So a lot of times Israel, uh, God, God would say, Israel is my son. And, and Jewish people would often uh, refer to God as, as their father, but not, not as my father. God is, is father in the sense that he's creator. And God's father of Israel in the sense that he's given Israel an identity. But you know what? I'm um, uh, Jehoshaphat, whatever, you know long descendant from Israel himself, the first Jacob. And so God isn't really my father per se. He's our father. He's our father. So uh, even in Jesus' day, Jews, which is considerably uh, a considerable amount of time after God had established Israel as a nation. We're giving a little background info here. Background info. We stay in. Uh, so Jewish people knew God as father, but not so much in this personal sense. It was more of a collective thing. And so... Uh, even in Jesus' day, uh, the religious people, those who are supposed to be closest to God, right? Those who should be the most uh, familiar with, 
with the intimate terminology, if there is such a thing, uh, they were actually shocked and, and took offense to Jesus saying, my father, in, uh, in John 5. So how is it that we see, just a few chapters later in the New Testament, okay, not chapters, books, well, well books, uh, in Romans, Paul is given this awesome uh, address to, to the Roman church, which includes both Jews and Gentiles, those who are in the nation of Israel and those who are not, so who have no inheritance to call God Father, uh, Paul says uh, that they can cry out, Abba, Father. Now, so let's, let's pause there for just a second. What is Abba? Anyone, anyone know? We can do a little participation here. Abba. Daddy. What language is it? It's Aramaic. Score. Score. I heard it back there. Aramaic. So this is, a, this is something that, that in, a, in Jewish tradition, in, from say like the book of Daniel uh, time period to, um, to New Testament era Judaism, like Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. So this is a term that, uh, that Hebrews in Palestine would probably use within their home setting. So just like when I, I was at home in, in Augusta, Georgia last week. No, I wasn't in Augusta. I was in Atlanta. I saw my parents in Georgia and, uh, and I called my dad Daddy. I don't know where it came from. He called his dad Daddy. We're from Georgia. Uh, if you try to spell it, just go Daddy, and uh, and you can write little version, Seth Little, and it's Daddy. And uh, <clears throat> so I would call my dad Daddy. It'd be like me calling him. That, that's Abba, right? So that's that's this close, familiar thing. It's it's not quite a pet name, but it's it's not it's not like Father. Oh, Father. Yes, sir. Let's have tea together, Father. It's, it's, it's Papa or Daddy, um, Abba. And so it's not just my father, this formal thing that Jesus said that the Jewish leaders took major offense to. Paul's saying that Jews and Gentiles alike have some means of calling God the same God that he knows. Paul is this Hebrew of Hebrews who knows all this tradition. He's well aware of, of the God of Israel and how he should not be called Father. But yet he says, even you who are far off can call him Daddy, Abba. How does he do that? Paul understands adoption. So what is, what is adoption? My wife is adopted. And uh, she physically, naturally adopted. Her whole life she's been that way. <laughs> Merriam-Webster I'm going to throw out a dictionary definition I know that's, that, that may be cliche But I thought it was good, useful So adoption is to take by choice Into a relationship Especially to take voluntarily A child of other parents As one's own To take by choice into a relationship Especially to take voluntarily A child of other parents As one's own child and so in, uh, in Paul's sense, he's taken that notion and he's applying it in, in a theological sense. So theologically, this is from Baker, uh, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. I have this sweet Bible software that my family gave me for Christmas and I could search it and I could, I go, so I'm using lots of references here. This is big. <laughs> Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, I think this is rich. Theologically, adoption is the act of God by which believers become members of God's family with all the privileges and obligations of family membership. It goes on, Adoption does not refer to the experience of transformation of a sinner. That would be regeneration, new life, new birth, or even sanctification, where we're made in more and more into God's likeness over time. This is different. This is a legal term, describing the right or power granted to a transformed believer to become God's child. 
going to go a little further. This is still in the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. Adoption goes beyond legality to establish an intimate, personal relationship to God as Father, Abba. Adoption is seen as the acme, the pinnacle, the zenith. I made those up. Those last two. <laughs> of blessing and privilege enjoyed by God's people. So this is, this is distinctly a New Testament thing. So what we're going to do is unpack it just for a few minutes, and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, turn it around and see what it means for us, okay? So <clears throat> to sum this up, John, 1 John 3, uh, verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Our official text today is going to be Ephesians 1. It's going to be up on the screen. We're going to read 1 through 10. And uh, I'd like to go ahead and read it. And then we're going to look at one other verse that's going to be our lens to view this, this passage through. Okay? Ephesians 1. I'm going to read it. Yep, great. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him, Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We're going to pay closest attention to verses 4, 5, and 6. Uh, especially verse 5, in love, just before verse 5, in love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace. Now we're going to need a lens to look at this a little little more closely. Romans 11.36. We're going to look at that real quickly. Very short. For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. Now this right here is, is Paul, the same Paul who wrote Ephesians, is the same Paul who wrote Romans. And what he's doing in, in Romans eleven thirty six, he's wrapping up the whole first section, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. And so he has this doxology, this praise poem. And it finishes with this phrase right here. And he sums it all up. For from God and through God and for God are all things. So we're going we're gonna to overlay that on this Ephesians 1 passage and, and pull out a few significant things. Good? Alright. So first of all, adoption originates with God. For from Him, adoption originates with God. Ephesians 1.5, In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship. God made a plan to adopt you and me into His family. And that's significant. God, God did not haphazardly choose uh, once he created the world and then he let, he let a, whole, a whole bunch of uh, a series of events come, come into play, including uh, fall, sin, rebellion, fall, brokenness. And then he said, you know what? <clears throat> I think I'm actually going to adopt these kids. It wasn't like that. 
It uh, actually God made a plan. And if you if you wonder, well, when when did the plan actually begin? Let's look at verse four. Ephesians one four. For he chose us in him, him being Jesus, before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. And then it goes on in love, he predestined us. Before the creation of the world is a long time ago. That's that's before sin. The world was created before people were created. If you read Genesis. So, so we're talking about before we had any part to play whatsoever, God predestined us to be his, his sons and daughters. Pretty cool. God's love for you and His expression in your adoption into His eternal family of joy did not start in this world, but reaches back to eternity. So when Paul says, from Him are all things, Romans 11, he includes our adoption. It means that before the foundation of the world, He predestined you and me to be His child. So there's some security in this idea because what it means is adoption doesn't rest in in our worth, our merit, our fitness for God's family. It's all on Him. He made a plan before we were ever in the picture. And so what that means for us is we can sit tight, right? If we can't can't figure out a way to earn it, we can't figure out a way to lose it. Pretty cool. Number two, adoption is through Jesus Christ. Romans 11, for from Him and through Him. How is adoption through Jesus Christ? Verse 1-5 again from Ephesians, in love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Uh, in Ephesians 1-7, just a couple verses later, we read it earlier, it says, In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. In other words, for adoption to be through Jesus Christ, it means that Jesus had to, de- had to die to secure it for us. That's what through Him means. Jesus had to die. Before the creation of the world, God saw that we would be sinners as well and planned the death of His Son so that our sins could be forgiven and God's wrath removed. A couple of notes here. First of all, this means that not all people are God's children, His adopted children. I have a... um, I think think most everyone knows here, I'm into music. I really like music. And uh, I went to music school, and in one class, I studied for almost a semester... Marvin Gaye's What's Going On uh, album. <clears throat> Anyone know that album? Hey man, what's going on? Hey man. And uh, there, there's a song in there uh, that's called, uh, what's it called? I can't, I can't remember, but it's something about Jesus is my friend. And it happens over and over. Don't, don't go and talk about my father. God is my friend. Um, I don't know. It, I, I didn't quite know. I was like, oh cool, Marvin Gaye, a believer. Okay, I didn't realize this. And uh, he may he may have been. I'm not I'm not I'm not making a, a, a judgment call there. But there's an idea that I've started to, to get my, my head around this idea that everyone is God's child. And in one sense that's true, right? So if if uh, in for from him and through him and to him are all things means all things belong to God. And so any any child that ever existed, which is all of us, have to be God's child. But in the sense of adoption this means that, that not everyone is God's child. We're going to look at another passage just to, to get, our, get our heads around it together. <clears throat> Pardon me. Romans 3.23, pretty familiar passage. Uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
We'll continue on through verse 25. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood. So that all sounds fine. But then there's this part. To be received by faith. We tap in to the adoption of God and the, the way that is offered to us through Jesus Christ by believing in Jesus Christ. And so those who are adopted to sonship are those who've, who've made a choice to believe in God by faith, right? So the great adoptive actions of God through Jesus Christ are accessed by faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's not really a biblically accurate notion that all people are God's adopted children. God is creator. He's going to be father of all in that sense. He's, the, he's the, the source of life. He's the source of all. But there's a special privilege for those who are adopted into the family of Jesus and their special responsibilities. And even beforehand, to, to opt into this identity requires a, a choice on our part to choose God, to choose Jesus and believe it. <clears throat> Second observation on through Jesus As John Piper says, we were not cute little orphans that God was attracted to. Emily just came from an adoption summit, or an orphan care summit, not an adoption summit. She's going to share a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, A natural orphan care summit, meaning natural, meaning actual orphans all over the earth. What does it mean for the church to to, um, address this issue and obey uh, the scriptural mandate to care for orphans and widows? One of the things that she came away with, she told me about a guy who who uh, who shared us his story of being adopted. He said he wasn't cute, and so he was passed up for adoption many times in the orphanage. And so people that would come to town to to look for a prospective child, they would use their their natural eyes as as we all tend to do probably, and they would see who's the most attractive, who's the cutest here, and uh, and he would get overlooked and bypassed because he wasn't there. The same is true for us. We were not cute little orphans that God was attracted to. Instead, we were enemies in rebellion against God. Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 10, a couple verses later. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, Jesus Adoption is through Jesus Christ. Number three, adoption is for God's glory. What's it for? It's for God's glory. So we've, we've looked at adoption. It, it originates with God. It's from Him. It's through Jesus Christ, through Him, and for Him, or to Him. Some translations say to Him. And so it's back to Him. It's for God, for His own glory. Romans eleven thirty six from him through him to him are all things. Adoption is ultimately for God, not for us. Let's look again at Ephesians, verse five. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace. The goal of our adoption is the glory of God's grace would be praised. You know, pretty simple thing. This isn't rocket science. I'm just looking at the Word of God and saying, you know what, I'm going to try and believe it. It's to the praise of His glorious grace. We are adopted by God not so that we will rejoice that God has made much of us, as we are tempted to do. I'm sure you can agree. 
We're adopted by God so that we will enjoy making much of His grace as our Father forever. We're adopted so that in this family, the Father and the unique elder son, our older brother Jesus, will be the source and focus of all our joy. For Him are all things. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 1 John 3.1 So just to review quickly. Ephesians, Ephesians 5. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1. Uh, 5, 6, and 7. In love He predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Our adoption is, is a legal standing. Actually, there's something I forgot to mention that I do want to go back and say. You don't mind, do you? We're making good time here. We've got a little bit more to do, but, but I, I, want, I want to go back here. <clears throat> So who has heard of the idea of justification? The- theological justification. This is a legal standing. And, and I, I was kind of surprised to find that adoption, uh, theologically, is sometimes considered uh, a, a subset of justification. So if you were reading a systematic theology and you were going through, okay, a, uh, adoption, it will be under the broader heading justification, which is this legal standing. And so what do, what do I mean by legal standing? John, John is not here. He's in the back. He could jump up. He's a lawyer. He'd say, you know what? It doesn't matter uh, all the time what is right and wrong or what, is, uh, what are nuances. What, what matters in my profession, at least in a court, is what does the law say? Okay? So in this sense, justification is sometimes described as just as if we never sinned. Now, you and I, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are made just as if we'd never sinned. Does it mean we have no track record? <clears throat> I remember sinning. I do it still. But I'm made in Jesus just as if I'd never sinned. I have a legal identity that changes, changes what, what I was identified as before and what I am now. Right? I'm justified. Well, in the sense of adoption, we take that the next step. Okay? So it's not just it's not the removal of guilt... Right? That's justification. Removing guilt. Making, making legally whole. But then adoption is the placing into the royal court. You get it? So if God is the Father of all things, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, we are adopted into His family. Uh, this is a legal mark to make, make you and me a, a princess and a prince. Cool? And so what that means... Jesus is our older brother. I heard a song years ago. I, I love Chris Rice. Anybody like Chris Rice? Yeah, Chris Rice. Okay, we've got an old CCMer over here. I got an Amen and a Chris Rice out of June Duran today. <clears throat> Chris Rice sang this song, and uh, and I, I was kind of a contemplative type, I guess, in high school, listening to sappy, emotional CCM music. I guess I missed I missed the emo revolution when I was I, I don't know what was going on. But, <laughs> I would love to wipe a tear as I ponder some the- theological thing set to a minor key. And, uh, and Chris Rice was awesome with it. And so he, he sang this song. Um, uh, it's called Belong. You remember that song, Belong? Follow to the place where you belong. It's this, this song painting this beautiful poetic picture of being lost in a wilderness. And then Father Love prepares a place. Brother Jesus leads the way. Follow to the place where you belong. <laughs>
And I thought, what is happening here? I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist. I'm in a Christian school. I, I, I know a lot of the Bible. What's this talk of Brother Jesus? Is this, this is liberal, isn't it? This is liberalism. And, and from my good conservative Southern, Southern background, I was like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. Turns out it's actually more conservative than I thought. <clears throat> it was safe in this case. Brother Jesus. So I, I noted this when I, when I was preparing for the sermon. Uh, Romans 8. This is a familiar passage if you've been through the training school. Romans 8, we memorize the whole thing. And it's arguably the centerpiece of the Bible. Paul, Paul's writing to the Romans and he gives this incredible uh, 16 uh, chapter summary of all things gospel. And then, and then right in the middle of it is Romans 8. And so this is like the summary of the summary. Okay? And, uh, and so uh, there's no condemnation. Who think, we, we sing that song, Our God, Our God is Greater. Uh, if our God is for us, who can stand against us? Th- these, this is all from Romans 8. And then uh, in Romans 8, 14 through 17, uh, right in the middle of the passage, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. It's by the Spirit of God that we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs. What's an heir? An heir is someone who receives the inheritance as a rightful bearer of the things that are in line. Rightful member of the family, right? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. So here's a distinction I want to make. If you have the Spirit of God, what you actually have in you is the Spirit of Christ. Now the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of Sonship because Christ is the Son. Pause for just a minute. We're going to have our minds blown if, if, you, if you can. My mind was blown thinking of this. I have the Spirit of Christ, and therefore I have the Spirit that makes me a son of God. So we're talking about identity today. This has all kinds of huge implications. And what we're going to do in just a minute is we're going to take communion and use it as a time of reflection, particularly on through Him. The middle piece that we were talking about. We have this identity, this glorious framework to come into communion and make this celebration. But we do it through Jesus. That's what communion is, right? We partake in the body and the blood of Jesus through which we have an adoption. Through which we gain justification. Through which we gain regeneration. This new birth, this new life that's the prerequisite to even gain adoption. So we're gonna, there's all kinds of stuff to meditate on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that. But first, I'd like to invite my sweet wife up for a moment, Emily Little. And I've asked her on this Mother's Day to connect, to connect this, this rich theological idea with a very natural, practical um, idea, and, uh, and that's what she's going to do. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I told Seth that when I was going to get up and talk about adoption, I was like, oh, I'm going to be that person that every time I get up, I'm talking about the same thing. And, um, and then I said, you know what, if that's what I talk about for the rest of my life, then I'll talk about it for the rest of my life because I think it's that important. And I think that God has put it in my heart, um, 
to share with you in this season. And um, I had the privilege of attending what's called Summit 9. It's an event put on by the Christian Alliance for Orphans to bring together organizations that care for orphans all over the world. And that could be foster care, adoption, um, grants for adoption. It was a whole spectrum of things. And it was somewhat overwhelming because, like what is said about CFTS, a lot of times that you feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant because you're getting all this information in a really short amount of time and you want to, like, do all this stuff with it, but you're like, ah, what do I even do to begin with? Um, That's what it was like. But my hope in going was to gain exposure, to see what is going on in the church all over the world to care for orphans. And... um, If I had the entire sermon time, which I did try to take from Seth, but he wasn't willing to relinquish, um, I could share with you testimony after testimony of how lives have been changed by the church taking the mandate to care for orphans in their distress um, to heart and, and actually doing it. But I hope that just in these few short minutes that something will be stirred in you. Um, And it might not be the same thing that was stirred in me, but also what I'm sharing with you is like a little tiny sliver of all that God did in me while I was there. So if you want to talk with me sometime, I would love to talk with you more. But um, here are a couple things that God spoke to me. The first is that adoption is important because it points people to the gospel. And just like anything, as believers, it's not about adoption or human trafficking or caring for the homeless. It's about Jesus Christ dying for all people and making a way to know God. And that is why we care about these issues. Um, but whatever God has put on your heart, like that's the bottom, that's the core of it. It's that it's about God. It's about people joining in with God's glory and knowing that he's called them into relationship with them. Um, We had a a speaker, Russell Moore, who um, is in, he's written a book called Adopted for Life and is in the Southern Baptist Convention, can't remember, newly elected role is, but um, he said, if you want an easy, happy, risk-free life, don't adopt. For that matter, don't get married, don't have kids, don't have friends, don't have a job, stay in your house, do not come out, because that's the reality of life, that's the reality of relationship, what we've been called into is that it is messy, and it's not this easy thing, and, um, and Dennis Rainey from, um, Family Life Today, he said, we need orphans to save us from our toxic self-absorption. And that was something that really struck me and really stood out, not just from him, other people kind of highlighted it, that we are so focused on ourselves all the time. All I think about is me. This morning, I was at home. Caitlin was still in bed. Seth was preparing for his sermon. I hadn't even thought about what I was going to say up here. My kids are like crazy. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I need like 10 minutes, just like 10 minutes for you just to be quiet, eat your breakfast, like 
I don't know. It was crazy. And I was like, oh, Seth. I was like, it is Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is what goes on in my mind. I don't know if it goes on in your mind, but I was like, I am unloading the dishwasher right now. I am feeding her breakfast. I am picking up all the toys that she just got out. And I haven't even had time for a shower yet, you know? And, and I was just sitting there. I was like, Lord help me. Like, I just repent because I'm just thinking about me. And it doesn't, it does, it's not about me. It's about you. And I am sorry that I get caught up all the time in me. So I just really appreciated that, that, I mean, you could say that about anything. It's not just an orphan that saves us from thinking about ourselves. It's everything that say that, and, and it's, it's saying, okay, God, I'm going to put myself in a place to not, to be forced not to think about myself. I'm not just going to go about my life and do what feels good to me and what I want to do, but I'm going to put other people before myself and I'm going to submit myself to what you have for me. Um, and the other thing I just want to say about that is that not all of us are called to adopt, but let's not make that choice out of fear, but let it be out of faith. Let that, and we say that about a lot of things in our life. If you don't want to adopt because you're afraid, then ask God to, to, to speak to that part in your heart. Um, and um, another thing that really stood out to me was that adoption is a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. And I think in our country, we've had a hard time, especially where I came from in the South, We've been, like, so segregated, and we've said that this church is for these people, and this church is for these people. And what adoption says is, this person who isn't my blood is in my family. They are mine forever, and nothing can change that. And my mom has said to me, my adopted mom has said, Emily, I want you to adopt because I want you to know what I feel for you, that you are mine, and it doesn't matter that I didn't give birth to you. You're mine. Um, And so if the church, I think, doesn't reflect that of the church is a family and is a place for all people, um, then even this adoption thing is just going to fizzle out, even though I think there's been a There is in the evangelical movement right now, people rising up and saying, I want to adopt. But if, if that's not what our whole life looks like, if we don't welcome all people into our lives, then it's just another issue that's going to be pushed aside. Um, and the last three things, (laughs) it's one point though, um, (laughs) Uh, you can go to, I think, a Focus on the Family. They have, like, an, uh, a 30 minutes a day, and they did two live tapings while I was at the summit. And the first was with uh, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman from Minnesota, which I'm not trying to get into politics here. Um, but what I do want to say is that she came because 
Deary, she and her husband adopted 20, not adopted, they fostered 23 teenagers over the course of their raising children. They had five biological children, and when they started fostering, their kids were under the age of five. So they had like a 16-year-old girl coming into their house with their five-year-old, their three-year-old, and their one-year-old, and then she had a baby. When she was in the hospital with the baby, one of them ran away. I mean, I'm not up here to tell you that, hey, this is so easy, and if you do it, then it's going to be awesome. Like, it is messy, but that's that's all of life. So you can listen to um, her. You know, they, they did an interview with her, and I was really challenged by that. There was also a pastor named Bishop W.C. Martin. He's from a place called Possum Trot, Texas, and apparently it's not even on the map. Um, but his congregation has been so stirred by God's mandate to care for orphans that they have, within their midst, adopted 76 of the most difficult foster kids in the system around them into their families. Um, And I bought his book uh, because I just wanted to read more about it, but it's this little podunk, you know, middle-of-nowhere church that has just said, hey, what we have, we want to give, and that's love. We can take people into our hearts as our own. Um, And, um, yeah, again, another thing that was highlighted was that just this idea of love and that it's not just about making us feel good. You know, it's not just about us coming to church and singing some songs and feeling better about ourselves, but it's to share it. And God gave us that example in Jesus Christ and that the love of God is never going to run short. And I think that was just the last thing I want to leave you with is that if God puts something on your heart and you think, oh, I could never do that. I could never have another child come into my home. I could never adopt. But you feel this stirring is that I think God is saying to you, you have enough. You have me. And that's what you need. I'm going to give you everything you need step by step when you need it. And that Adoption is a miracle. It takes someone who didn't have a family, and it sets them in a family and makes you your own, just like what Seth is saying, as we are children of God, that we were enemies of God, and he took us in as his own. So I would love to talk to you more.